Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Good morning, everyone. Chad and Nate, once again here at UC Health Training Center for Broncos practice. Uh, after a jog through, walk through, I'm not sure the, the term we want to stamp to those kind of practices the Broncos had yesterday, but today will be full pads. Today the tempo will be high. Coach Hackett has talked about that. I think tomorrow's a lighter day and they ramp it up again on Saturday. So this kind of uneven pacing to training camp continues. This uh, experiment that I think Nathaniel Hackett is running as a first-time head coach with bringing so much new uh, practice style to the NFL, it continues. Yeah, it continues, and I, I know it's uh, it's it's unusual for us, you know, former players. I know it's a point of conjecture. We're all kind of like, what's going on out there? Why aren't they working hard? Why aren't they hitting? Why aren't they sweating? Um, even my waitress, I just I just had a, a meal at a local breakfast place, and my waitress Joy, uh, first of all, she's like, um, uh, what's your name? I'm like Nate. She's like, oh yeah, I recognize your voice. I was listening to you and Chad. So so we got some fans out Thank there. Thank you, Joy. But, but she's like, yeah. Um, she's like, my 13 year old grandson who plays for the Hawks is working harder than the Broncos right now. <laughs> she's like, the Hawks would be willing to meet up with the Broncos for a preseason matchup, but it might be too rough for the Broncos. <laughs> so there is this old school mentality. And by the way, her family has had season tickets since 1962. Wow. Okay. So Joey knows what she's talking about. Joey knows then. what she's talking about. There is an idea of no pain, no gain. Right. Is that legit or not? You know, do you have to push yourself to the limits to get better or is following the science the way to go? I heard Stink talking about it this morning that, you know, you look at these new age programs, the Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing, and it's working. It's leading to world championships. But I think every team is different, and you have to take that with a grain of salt. The Broncos are trying to do something new, right? they got a lot of inexperienced players they're trying to get experience uh, to and teaching them things that you can only really learn by being physical. But, of course, we're going to pick this stuff apart, but we're really not going to know until we see them play. Yeah, I think at this point it's all just conjecture. That's why I keep calling it an experiment. An experiment can go correctly or experiment can go wrong, Dr. Frankenstein. So it can go either way. Uh, I'm not prepared to put, you know, it's absolutely wrong or it's absolutely right. I'm not prepared to put a stamp on it just yet. Um, but it is brand new and with something brand new that is not tried and true and tested uh, amongst the majority of the NFL. Uh, we can at least call it unusual and uh, we will... I will withhold judgment until I see uh, how the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, uh, Sir John Elway himself came into that breakfast establishment. Oh, this nice. morning. Okay, I just saw John. Okay, did you chop it up with John? I did not. Okay, I did not. But my waitress overheard him greeting his buddies, and one of them said, "How's camp?" And uh-huh. he said, "It's not even camp anymore." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like right on cue. Joy and I had been talking about that, and then she overheard that. It is not camp anymore to those of us who went through something different. Right. Right? Like, there are high schools who are working harder. Yes. Like, yes. Just the, Relatively, yes. I understand. Physically. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, dragging themselves out for the second practice right. of the day, wearing full pads, sweating, trying to take a nap between practices. That's what we did, right? Because right. we were so tired. I can't imagine these guys are that physically tired. And that's the unusual part. But they are in full pads today. And I think a lot of our like reaction to it is because we've only seen them in full pads once. And we've seen two walkthrough days. 
what for me, you know, the, the the text line is always quick to say, you know, you old players are are just jealous, and it's it's envy. You're you're jelly gels. What, what about <laughs> right, the texters yeah. wrote yesterday? Yeah, and it's like no, 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 no. It's it's not a, a jealousy thing. My time was my time, and this time is this time. I recognize that time moves on, and we do advances. I've got no issue with that. My issue is it's very difficult to actually assess what this football team is right. by watching these kind of practices. Uh, there's there's very little to be learned from a competitive standpoint with the two walkthrough practices. They ran a bunch of plays um, at a very slow tempo, and if you can't execute a play at slow t- at slow tempo, then I'm not sure you deserve to be on an NFL football field at all. So was there something indicated to me uh, about that? You know, we get our rundown. Uh, Johnny sent it over to me. You know, he's talking about what have you seen from Nick Benito or Malik Reed or Baron Browning or Chubb. It's like uh, there's been very little padded work that actually translates to this is my evaluation and this is how I can see him execute this on game day full speed in full pads. So that's where some of my uh, pushback to this current training camp environment is and this experiment is is because I'm not sure if I could evaluate somebody as to how they're going to play football during a full-speed football game based on what we've seen out there so far. What do you think about the idea that that um, they're trying to save them for week 16, 17, 18, playoffs? They're trying to create you know, the type of health longevity where you don't burn them out right now, where you do take into account what this modern athlete is like physically, mentally, psychologically. And really, this, this approach is based on the evidence that they'll be fresher and more ready later in the season than they will be at the beginning, and that's what you really need. Uh, I, well, okay, so I'll go back to the phrase I've said a few times on this show, is the tyranny of the urgent versus the important. It's important that we're fresh. you said that? I've said that before. On, on this, this show. show? On this show. I feel like it's the first time I've heard it. No, that's Maybe not true. Maybe it was true. with Kyle Reese. No, it was with you. Okay. The tyranny of the urgent versus the important. It is important that this team be fresh late in the season. There's a number of divisional games late in the season, playoff seating, playoff possibilities, the, the, who's going to win the division. That will be up for grabs late in this season. We're hopeful for that. But it's also urgent that you prepare your football team for what's coming next. you got the Cowboys coming in here on Thursday. That's going to be a great indicator as to where this team is, what kind of energy they can bring, and how they can ramp it up when they see somebody uh, different than their own uh, jersey out there. Uh, so we're going to see how this team is going to be urgently prepared for the beginning of the season. Can they hit the ground running with new head coach, new quarterback, all these different pieces, missing Tim Patrick, expecting a third receiver or a second receiver to develop out of this group with uh, very little padded work so far during the, the course of training camp. So, yeah, you have to balance that out. I think if you just focus on the important, hey, I want to be fresh late in the season, and you miss the urgent need of being prepared to hit the ground running when the season starts, you're not paying attention to both sides of the coin. You're not providing enough balance. I understand what Coach Hackett is trying to do. I understand all the new age football stuff, but there still has to be a balance in that. Your team has to be hardened, toughened, physically prepared. You cannot go into the first preseason game and not have done any tackling whatsoever. That's how you're going to practice tackling is against your opponent. That, in my mind, is a recipe for not being prepared. So, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of poo-pooing the old school, uh, but to me, Mike Shanahan was kind of the gold standard of how to run a team, and I've played for some different coaches, and, and a sense of urgency was a key phrase that he would always use. you got to have a sense of urgency out there. And, you know, we used to sit in meetings during two-a-days, and the coaches would be talking about how we had no time to waste and really not enough hours in the day. Yes, like it was, heard it was that about many a sense times. of urgency. Yes. 
full speed reps were were precious because each rep, you know, not only supplies the physical experience of the rep on the field, but the teaching tool it becomes when you capture it on film, right? And you can go watch that and understand what you did going full speed. It's a it, how do you evaluate half speed reps? You know, here's how you evaluate half speed reps: the guy knows what he's supposed to do. Yep, he knows what he's supposed to do, but do you know how to do it? Can you actually do what you're supposed to do? Half speed reps, you can't you can't show that. The playmaking ability, the ability to make the block, to shed the block, those things don't happen in, in, in half-speed stuff. You need to go full speed to learn to block full speed. The question is how much can you do it and create the balance? Does practicing less lead to fewer injuries or does practicing less lead to more severe injuries? That's, I think that's a great point, and we've talked about it a number of times since camp started about the – Practice the physical practice helped develop a, a, a tough skin. That I personally think pays dividends throughout the season. It makes you a little bit more tougher uh, and makes you less prone to injury. So uh, I think this is going to be a debate that obviously goes on all training camp long. Coach Hackett is not going to change his practice style because you and I or Orlando or Stokely or or Tyler have issue with it, or he's not going to you know put a firmer stamp on it because Mark Schlereth has his approval now either. I think he's going to continue to do what he thinks is going to be best, not going to be swayed by any's opinion, anyone's opinion on either side of this discussion. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what a full speed second padded practice looks like today. If they get after it today, then it makes a little bit more sense. You slow down yesterday, you had a quote-unquote mental day, but you're really going to get after it today? then I'm looking forward to seeing that because, again, I've had a difficult time truly evaluating who are the best football players because I've seen very little true football out here on this Broncos training camp field. Yep, and uh, so so they're going full pads today. They're going full pads on Saturday as well. Yes. Right? Uh So that would kind of break from the too hard one-off thing too because they, they broke yesterday. Um, or they did a walkthrough yesterday, today's full pass. Tomorrow might be a walkthrough then. Do, do you think they'll do every other now? I think tomorrow will be a much slower pace. If it's not a walkthrough, uh, maybe they'll well shorter pads, no pants, uh, just have a little bit more of a maybe a, a balance between the mental and the physical tomorrow and then Saturday ramp it back up again. Uh, so we, we're having all this discussion amongst ourselves. We come back, we'll hear from Coach Hackett and why he thinks his program is best. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Um, you know what? That's been one of the things I've done it in the past a lot. That was early in the career, and then you know, back at Green Bay, it really opened up my eyes and, and stuff like that. And, you, know, you only have a certain amount of time, and you don't get a lot of full team periods. You don't get to play a lot of football. They don't get to go out there and play football. So I try to jerry rig it within the periods, whether it's an all man period. We've been doing these uh, past uh, you know, couple days, is that we make it all man, so you kind of rig that that everybody's getting those one on one matchups. But it's just real football. You know, there's so many times. You know, coaches are yelling at each other, players, you know, oh, I would have had help in here. I wouldn't have been that leverage. And so it's not really realistic. The quarterback's back there waiting for him to get open. And for me, I want everything to be timing and go on to some other progression. I want the quarterback to feel the pocket, find the middle of the field, find the outside of the field. So, you know, with that, that's why we primarily will be doing team. We might work some of that stuff in if some of the guys want, but I just always thought the more football we can play, because it's like when we were kids, you go out there and you play football, you know, and I think that's what we want to do now with the limited time that we have. Uh, that was Nathaniel Hackett breaking down the uh, practice, not necessarily the 
tempo of practice philosophy, but the lack of seven-on-seven, the lack of nine-on-seven, the lack of nine-on-ones, and how he tries to jerry-rig a phrase that we went into pretty deeply a couple days ago. Do you think nine-on-one would be a mismatch? (laughs) Did I say nine-on-one? Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Nine-on-seven, one-on-one. I maybe slurred those two together. Uh, The the lack of those traditional football practice periods uh, and how he tries to jerry-rig in the the same type of opportunities into his scripted part of the teamwork and practice. Uh, Do you think that's even possible to get the same amount of scripted teamwork reps as you would say in a one-on-one period, uh, defensive backs versus wide receivers, linebackers or safeties versus tight ends? Yeah, it's going to be hard. I I think that this is in service of the quarterback and creating a realistic picture for him. Uh, But when you're talking about learning who these wide receivers are, learning who these corners are, to me there's no more effective way than to just line them up facing each other and have a quarterback throw them the ball no matter what. Because when when you're a receiver in a team period play, there's a lot of factors like Nathaniel Hackett just described that would take the ball away from you. They, they, you might not get that ball. You might run a great route, but the ball doesn't come to you. When you run one-on-ones, you know the ball's coming your way, and you get a chance to catch it. And that's how you determine who you got out here as a receiver. And also the DBs. Who's good in man coverage is going to lock down that guy, and how is he going to play the ball when it comes in the air? And there are, by the way, the 49ers are doing one-on-ones. Um, yes. So, so these other teams, these new-age guys, with the West Coast system, those guys are doing one-on-ones. Kyle Shanahan is a former wide receiver. Yes. So I think he sees the value of that and wants that. But I also think that the, the players need that and want that. We need to find out who the dog is going to be that's going to step in for Tim Patrick. And to me, you got to throw that guy the ball a lot. And I'm not talking about tennis balls. I'm talking <laughs> about footballs to figure out if he's going to catch him. So as a receiver, I and a receiver stuck back on the depth chart, I pray for those for that period to be able to go show what I've had, what I've got. And you're going to need some of those guys as the season goes on. Yes, is it great for Russell Wilson? No, it, it, Russell Wilson does not get a lot of value out of one-on-ones between receivers and DBs. It's the receivers and the DBs that have value in that. So, And nine-on-seven, the same thing, man. I, I guess like you know, when you know it's a run, you have to, you have to buckle up and, 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 and make your blocks, and, and maybe that's unrealistic because there's no threat of pass, but... But also the first hour of team or of individual stuff that they do is not real football either. True. You know what I mean? Very true. There's a purpose for everything you're doing right. out here. I just want to know who these receivers are, who these young corners are who are trying to make the team. And there's no better way to find out than to throw them the ball. Now, what I've seen a number of times in these team periods is an offensive lineman gets beat right off the snap. And the defender is in Russell Wilson's face. So he goes into Russell Wilson scramble mode. So now the hopeful design of Coach Hackett that he designed up in his office last night, Dow doesn't play out here on the field. That rep is lost because one of your offensive linemen lost his battle up front and now your hopeful desire to get a one-on-one outside versus man coverage to this particular receiver, that opportunity is now lost. We're adding another variable into this opportunity between wide receiver and secondary guy to see and try to evaluate that 
but that opportunity is now, that play has been taken away because of someone else on the football field screwed up. So that's the advantage of having these very focused, dedicated periods that may be slightly unrealistic, but at least you're able to maximize and not waste the rep. In seven-on-seven, in one-on-ones, there is no pass rush. Therefore, the quarterback and the receiver are going to throw the football unless the defender just absolutely takes the route away, which in that case, tip of the cap to the defensive guy. Um, But at least it's not a a possibility that rep being wasted and not uh, the ball not thrown and the ball being put in the air. Yeah, I I do do think think Uh Nathaniel Hackett is on to something when he wants to create real football situations at practice. Right. Football practice can be overly scripted. It can be overly situational. It can be predictable to the point where you instill this idea in your players that, hey, it's going to be in the games. It's going to be exactly how we draw it up. So just memorize this, and you're going to be good in the games. Well, that's not true. In the games, the defense ain't going to do what you think they're going to do. They're not following your script. They're going to throw a new look at you, or they're going to guess right, and you're going to have to go make a play. So... I like the idea of team stuff, move the ball, calling plays, not having a script, um, extending plays the way Russell Wilson does. I think that's on top of exactly what's going on. I just think that as a receiver, you need to catch the ball, and you need to show that you can catch the ball. That's why these guys are here, because they caught the football in college, because they caught the football in high school. They put up the kind of numbers that made some kind of NFL scout, George Payton, say, that guy could do this at this level. So when he gets to this level you got to see if he can do that against this competition, against Patrick Sertan. You know, as a receiver like Caden Davis, number 13, first guy out on the field, the opportunity for him to go one-on-one against Pat Sertan in a one-on-one drill, that is precious, precious. If he's able to beat Patrick Sertan on a slant, catch that slant, what does that tell his teammates? What does that tell his coaches? This guy can play. we got to keep him around. Um, so there must be other ways to evaluate these guys, and hopefully they have those. But I'm, I imagine there's a conversation about this happening upstairs every day with those coaches. And there's some coaches who want it, some coaches who don't. Ultimately, it's Coach Hackett's camp. And Camp Hackett, if you can't hack it, then you can't hack it. Today they're going to full pads, though. So it'll be interesting to see if they do any of those kind of one-on-ones. Now, uh, my internships have taught me that not everybody on the coaching staff is always in agreement. Right. Coaches uh, trying some experiments. Uh, and I have certainly been in a linebacker room or a defensive line room with the coach I was uh, interning with, and there was grumblings about the practice plan and why are we doing things this way. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't help me evaluate my guy. So I'd imagine there are some conversations like that going upstairs. If you're an offensive line coach or a defensive line coach, you've had one full padded practice yeah, so far. Right. Those are positions that are predicated on your physical ability to kick someone's butt. And there's been very little opportunity for, for that to happen out here, therefore very little evaluation of what's happening out here. So while we look at the guard, right guard competition and we see Moody and Miners trading off, I think we can understand maybe who has a better understanding of the offense and who's a little bit more on their playbook. But can you evaluate who's the best, most physical guy amongst the two? At this point in camp, I think it would be impossible to say we've had enough reps to see who is the more physical guy. The fundamentals of football and and what separates football from these other rectangular ball team sports (laughs) are blocking and tackling. Right. Right. These other sports, you can't just hit people who don't have the ball or the puck or whatever. Football is about blocking and tackling. And as much as we love to see the ball flying through the air and the quarterback is the main attraction, to some extent, whether or not you win or lose is going to be based on those fundamentals, right? 
We can't tackle at practice. We know how dangerous that is. But they're, but but the blocking and the tackling ultimately is going to determine a lot of your success. And there are guys who just need work blocking, I guess, is the point. So um, full pads today. Anxious to see how this goes. Um, we have a texter who responded about our one-on-one conversation. says, so you don't think that the guy should show his ability in team? I mean, a lot of people can win one-on-ones, but can they win 11-on-11? That's a better way. They should go out and get open, so that way they earn the ball. Um, I guess my point is that in 11-on-11, you have five eligible receivers, okay, on each play. Mm -hmm. One ball, and it goes to one guy on a passing play. So those other four guys who ran a route don't get a ball. And the point of one-on-ones is you run a route, you get the ball. Let's right. see if you can catch it. It is coming to you. And sometimes the play breaks down and nobody gets the ball. So the point is you just get a better look at the guy you're trying to evaluate, whether or not he can get open and catch a pass if it's one-on-ones and he knows he's getting it. And, all, and a lot of times that put it, puts actually more pressure on the receiver when you know you're getting it. When all eyes are on you, you are the only option. So, um, yeah, new school versus old school, I guess. But um, I, as a receiver and as a tight end, really, really valued those periods. And because I got to know, you know, my teammates, the, the, the guys I was facing and my quarterbacks and, and coaches got to know me. Yeah, uh, like I said, this conversation will obviously continue. Uh, this training camp is just going to be operated the way the Coach Hackett wants it, um, and we shall see how successful this is really taking a, a, a major turn off of what we would consider traditional training camp style practices. Uh, the Broncos have made a few roster moves, uh, so we'll talk about that after we hear from Spilly and how the Rockies fared yesterday. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Like the radio voice guy just said, it is ready to ride time. Our analysis of Training Camp 2022, ready to ride, is presented by Elite Sportsbook. With the injuries to Demaria Crockett and to Tim Patrick, you knew uh, George Payton was going to have to go out and fill up those roster spots. Those spots have already been filled up now. Darius Shepard for Tim Patrick in that wide receiver room, and Colorado's own Max Borgie for Demaria Crockett in the running back room. Yep, guy goes down, you got to bring a guy in and, and keep your roster full and keep those camp bodies out there to run because guys are going to continue to go down, and so that's where George Payton and his staff come in to try to keep these, you know, this roster replenished with able-bodied dudes that are out there waiting right now for a call. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of football players who are training at their local gym right now, talking to their agents like, hey, let me know if there's any word. And their agents are saying, guys are going to go down, so wait by the phone. And for a few of the guys, it does happen. I mean, I was one of those guys, too. When I got cut um, after Shanahan's replacement, I spent that summer training, waiting for my opportunity. And I got a workout in Cleveland and got signed there in the middle of camp. Those things can happen. The question is, do you have a realistic shot? of making the team when you come in in the middle of a camp after being on the streets. It's pretty tough because all the little football stuff that they've been doing, you haven't been doing. Nope. You've been running alone at, at your at your elementary school field, you know, <laughs> with your music in your ears, pushing yourself and getting ready. Uh-huh. I mean, he, these guys are in really good shape. Right. But are they in football shape? They're not. And so th- there's going to take some you know, time to get up to speed. Hopefully they have those opportunities. Hopefully they can get in those preseason games and show their stuff. One of the things that – Coach Kubiak, 
would always tell us before that last preseason game when 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 he, he first he was like, look around the rooms, look around the room, guys. And this was after he excused the right. starters, so you weren't here for this conversation. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, you were gone. You got to go home early. There was a group of guys in there, uh-huh. and Coop was addressing us, and he said, you know, this might be the last football game you guys ever play tomorrow, but just remember that. If it doesn't work out here, there are 31 other teams that are going to be watching that film. This is a job interview for 31 other teams. Go out there, leave it on the field. These guys who are coming in the middle of camp are long shots to make the team. But possibly the practice squad, possibly another team. They just got to come in here and work hard. Uh, well, uh, you know, I always wasn't the starter uh, my entire career. At the end of my career, uh, I was cut by the Patriots several times those last couple seasons. Um, and when I was still in New England, uh, despite not being with the Patriots, still living there waiting to get called back, my key card to the field house still worked. All right. So I didn't have to go to the local elementary school, so I would sneak into the field house uh, while they were in meetings in the morning, or I would come in a- after they were done with practice in the afternoon and have the field house all to myself. It was great. There was weights in there. There were cones. There were stand-up dummies. So I was able to get a pretty good workout in there uh, by myself, which was awesome to have that access. Uh, so, uh, you know, when Bill Belichick tells you hang around in town and your key card still works for the, for the facility, uh, that was a great way to stay in shape. Uh, these guys who were signed, Max Borgie and uh, – Darius Shepard, Max Borgie from Washington State, uh, was really dynamic in the Pac-12. I think his biggest issue is the, the size factor and his ability to be a pass-blocking, uh, a, a legitimate pass-blocking running back. Small right. enough, I think he could be a mismatch for most safeties and linebackers as a third-down back. Uh, the guy was certainly crafty at Washington State running routes, really, really good in the screen game. I just think in the end his size is going to be the biggest factor of him maybe not making this football team uh, because, again, kind of like Philip Lindsay, but even smaller yeah. than Philip Lindsay. So Philip Lindsay's issue was the pass blocking. Uh, same thing for Max. Uh, dynamic guys with the ball in their hands in the open field, but as a running back, at some point, the defense, if senses you can't pass block, they're going to come and check to a blitz. You've got to respond to that by keeping your back in the backfield and expecting that guy to be able to block an incoming safety or an oncoming linebacker. And Philip Lindsay and Max are just simply too small from a physical perspective to be able to do that very reliably. Yeah, Max is a, a, a local legend, Pomona High School. And um, so it, it's, his work's going to be cut out for him, but you never know who else is going to go down. you got to take advantage of those reps. And... Um, you know, we'll be watching those guys. The roster is 90 dudes, and today they're full pads. They get to go out there and, and uh, try to make an impression. And, um, you know, we're going to forget about yesterday's practice when we're watching this one. And so these guys, as we speak right now, are out there or in that locker room getting taped up. I, I imagine Caden Davis is coming out any moment now because it's 9.35. He's usually about 9.38. Right, right. So three minutes from now, we should see that dude coming out there. But um, Albert Hill was talking yesterday after practice about who's going to step up in Tim Patrick's absence, right? Is it going to be the tight ends? Is it going to be the whole group? And he said, yeah, it's on all of us. You know, we all have to step up. When you look at Tim Patrick's skill set, he's a big guy. He ran really good routes. He could be physical in the run game. That's something that tight ends do, right? And so I feel like the onus in a lot of ways is on the tight ends. And we are going to see more two tight end stuff because of Tim Patrick's absence, because you want big guys in there who can both run, and block. So um, this tight end group is fixing to be a big part of this offense. 
And I know people have been speculating about Russell Wilson's ability to throw over the middle and his height and whether that's affected in the past his ability to do that. This offense forces you to throw over the middle because of all the crossing routes that it does with the tight ends. We've seen these tight ends be productive in camp. It's because the system is designed to make them productive. The, desist, the system is designed to get them open. The dis, the system, I keep saying that, the system is designed to take advantage of mismatches and to allow these tight ends to run block, run block, run block, and then play action and come out of it and be running free across the field. You're going to see a lot of that. And I think Alberto is poised for a big year. Well, uh, last night I was doing a little bit of study on the roster, preparing for uh, my calling of the games Can for Nine into, News. Before you talk about the roster, yeah. let's talk about that, man. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We're going to be calling some uh, some preseason games here with the Broncos. All three of the preseason games, yes. Uh, we, we had a little press release about it. That's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? It's going to be awesome. So Steve Levy from the... Previous Monday night crew will be the play-by-play guy. Ryan Harris, former Denver Bronco offensive tackle, and myself will be the two-color analyst. Uh, really looking forward to it. I did the one game last year, uh, the Broncos' last preseason game up in Seattle. Uh, so I've kind of gotten my feet wet with this. I did a, a game a couple years ago with uh, Ron Zapolo as well. The Kyle Slaughter Bowl, the last game of the preseason. So now to do all three preseason games, I think this is going to be a, a lot of fun. It's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, Steve Levy obviously is a, a great professional at what he does. So looking forward to working with him to see if I can raise the level of my game to match what he brings. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Ryan Harris now will have a little bit of an offense-defense thing going on as well. So uh, there's a lot of angles to this thing. It's a lot of fun. But certainly uh, with the news now being official, I start to do a, a deep dive into the Broncos roster. And I was looking at this wide receiver room. Tim Patrick and Corlin Sutton, the most veteran guys in that wide receiver room, both guys in year five. Outside of that, there was 13 wide receivers in the room. Now there is with Darius, uh, Darius coming and joining the group, uh, Darius Shepard. But there's five rookie receivers in that room out of 13 guys. Well, there's, not a lot of you, there's not a lot of experience, not a lot of veteran guys in that room. So if you're Darius Shepard and you walk into that room and you're looking for the Rod Smith or the Ed McCaffrey to coach you up and tell you how to do everything right, who are you looking to? Who are you looking to? I want to talk about that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Finished last segment talking about the Broncos signing Darius Shepard, a wide receiver, a former Packer. That's where Nathaniel Hackett's experience with him comes in uh, to the uh, roster to replace Tim Patrick, who was put on IR after the ACL injury a couple of days ago. Uh, but I was talking about this wide receiver room that Darius Shepard walks into. Thirteen receivers in the room, five. Of those receivers are rookies. The most experienced guy is Tim Patrick in his, his fifth year. You got Trey Quinn in year four. You got Tyree Cleveland in year three. You got Travis Fulgham in year four. KJ Hamler in year three after missing most of last year. Kendall Hinton in year three. Jerry Judy in year three. So if you're Darius Shepard, you walk into this room and you go, who's the guy do I hitch my wagon to who's going to tell me how this whole offense works and what's expected of me? Kind of that Rod Smith to you early in your career. Yeah, that guy's that guy just tore his ACL. Okay. You know, that guy just tore his ACL and he was clearly the inspiration for that room. Not only for that room, for this team. Tim Patrick was like 
was the Rod Smith, was the guy. And, and it's not just what he does on the field and being a savvy player, but it's the off-the-field stuff, how he got to where he is. He just signed a big contract last year after being an undrafted guy who bounced around. That's the type of story that, believe it or not, the guys in the locker room identify with much more than the first-round draft pick guy. Because there's how many first-round draft picks in this locker room? Four or five? Maybe, yeah. How many guys undrafted trying to make the team? A lot. 20, 30, 40, right? So that's the that's the story that guys identify with and inspires them to be their best. And so the fact that Tim Patrick went down a couple days ago and he's going to be gone all season creates a huge leadership and inspiration void there. But when you talk just about the experience on the field, it's got to be Cortland Sutton in that room who, who takes um, – who takes charge, who takes that responsibility, who now steps up and understands that the eyes are now on him. They're not on Tim. Tim's not there. So they're going to be looking at you, Cortland. And believe it or not, man, the guy with the most experience over the last two years in that room is Jerry Judy. In 2020, he led this team in targets. Last year, he was beat up a little bit and wasn't on the field much. But Jerry Judy has more experience than he realizes. And for that reason, those five rookies are actually looking at Jerry Judy. They're looking to him to be an example because he is a first-round pick. He does have all that talent and skill, and he does have some experience. And if I think if Jerry looked at it that way, that it's not just about me getting mine. It's about me showing these young guys that, that this is how you work, that this is how you bounce back from an injury, that this is how you bounce back from a drop, that this is how you bounce back from a bad day. So those kind of things do affect that room. But you're absolutely right. It's an inexperienced room, and the loss of Tim Patrick is huge for this team. Yeah, I mean, you and I talked about the loss of Tim Patrick yesterday. That was a big part of the show. Um, but there were other hosts on this station who were kind of dismissive of the loss of Tim Patrick and how it's going to affect this football team. And, again, like I said, looking at the wide receiver room, not a lot of experience in there. If this were a more experienced group to lose a guy like Tim Patrick, someone else just naturally steps up to fill that leadership void, a guy who's kind of been through the wars and got uh, you know some skins on the wall to steal the John Fox quote and just becomes that, that next guy up kind of mentality. Uh, I think there's so much youth and inexperience in this room. I'm sure some of those guys are looking around like, uh, is it supposed to be me? Do you want to do this? Uh, so there's a, you know, I think Coach Azani's got a bit, a bit of a uh, psychology task in front of him trying to armor this room with the confidence that would come uh, from a more experienced group uh, when you lose a guy like Tim Patrick. So, uh, yeah, Darius... What's his name again? Darius uh, Shepard. Darius Shepard joins that wide receiver room. Um, and, again, has to figure out where to go, who to, who to be with, who to follow, who's going to coach him up the right way. Uh, <laughs> I've had some young guys who, uh, you know, were told by certain coaches to Blade. not follow certain guys. Uh, <laughs> I've had some, some rookies come in, and uh, the, the position coach would spend some time with them and say, absolutely do not follow this guy so uh, maybe coach Azani's having those kind of conversations right now with uh, Darius trying to get him right and make sure he follows the correct guy in that room um, I just got to see my old receiver coach man Steve Watson the what? legendary number 81 for the Broncos just walking by I Thank haven't you. seen him in I don't even know 10 plus 15 years uh, one of the greatest dudes I have, I have been around as a football player. I came in and he was just gracious with his time. He was one of those coaches who was kind to his players, who wanted them to succeed, who cared about them as people, who wanted to teach and not yell. He never said a bad word. Um, 
around us. He was always just trying to help us be better. And you talk about the balance in a in a in a position group room with the coach and players who know what they're doing. It was Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, and that guy Steve Watson coaching. You when guys I came were in well taken care. It of, was man. it was amazing. It was it was a, every every single day. I was learning some valuable stuff. All of us were good to see Blade. Do you know why they call him Blade? His nickname is Blade, and I'll tell you why they call him Blade. It's because one day at practice, he was he was just gashing him deep down the middle, and one somebody, either a player or a coach, said, "Steve, you're cutting him up. We're gonna call you Blade." <laughs> so we called him Blade. And now it sticks. And now it sticks. Uh, I've met Steve a number of times. Super awesome dude. By the uh, way, he just said we are awesome. Oh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate the uh, the shout out. Thanks, my man. Yeah. Uh, this. We talked about this schedule of practice and the pace of practice and how difficult it's been to evaluate uh, some of the players on this roster. But if I had to, uh, you know, literally do that thing where I say, I'm going to put a gun to your head and say, (laughs) how's the tight end group doing despite the lack of full pads out here? uh, What would your evaluation be? I mean, pleasantly surprised, actually. I I think we were all a little bit concerned about the departure of Noah Fant, whether or not they were going to be able to fill that void. Because as much as Noah Fant, you know, struggled in some areas of the game, he was an integral part of this offense. I mean, you know, the first 15 plays every game, three or four of them were going to go to Noah Fant. And often in the first five plays, two of them were going to Noah Fant. They were relying on him to set the precedent. Now, that was a different offense. This offense is, I would argue, uh, even more tight end heavy. You're going to see more two tight end stuff. Yes, even more three tight end stuff. And you hear Hackett talking about it yesterday. He's excited about this tight end group because these guys can run. And they're also tough guys. Greg Dulcich aside, because he's been injured and he's working his way back in. You got Andrew Beck, who you don't hear a lot. But this is a guy who can play fullback. He can play H-back. He can play tight end. He can go in motion. And he can run down the field. He has good hands. He's just not you know your typical tight end size guy. He's not the 6'5 guy. But then you got Eric Salbert, who's been the camp surprise as a total tight end and a guy who can obviously make plays in the running game, pass protect, but who whose pass uh, receiving skills have been a surprise to people. Last year he was game. When his number was called in the passing game, he caught that rock. And he had a good feel for zone coverages, which is really oftentimes what a tight end what a tight end's job becomes, not beating guys in man. It's finding the soft spot in his own, having a feel for that, having patience when you run your route. Eric Salber's been doing that. And I think Albert, um, before I talk about Albert O, Eric Tomlinson, who's, you know, you're basically a tweener tackle tight end. He's just a tall, big blocker guy who uh, is stout in the running game and is an integral kind of part of the point of attack for a running play. He knows what he's doing in this system. But, again, without the padded practices, Eric Tomlinson, you can't really see what he's all about. That said, Alberto was the big question mark. Can he become a total, complete player so that we can take advantage of his pass receiving skills? Can he be a more reliable set of hands, not put the ball on the ground, but also make those crucial blocks? And he spoke at the podium yesterday, and Alberto basically talked about how he's trying to build up that part of his game that's a weakness, the running game. And if you have that kind of mentality that it's about improving on my weaknesses and not just doing the things I'm good at, then to me, you're going to get better. You're going to get better every day. And Greg Dulcich's absence provides an opportunity for Albert O to be that guy. I think he's taking advantage of it, and I think we're going to see the tight ends really excel in this offense. And Russell Wilson's going to hit him. He's going to throw it across the middle because that's what the play design calls for. And those guys are going to be open, and there's going to be lanes to throw in. When you have an effective running game, 
That means you have an effective play-action passing game, and that means those guys are going to be running free. Uh, we will bring in Andrew Mason at 10-15, so definitely stick around for that. On the opposite side of the ball for those tight ends, the edge guys, uh, Nick Benito, Baron Browning, Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb. Uh, it's Like I said earlier, it's been difficult to evaluate those guys. Uh, I've seen some good edge sets in the run game, but they haven't been a full physical, full-speed drill, so it's difficult to say who actually would win that battle if that's the circumstance. Looking forward to seeing some of that out here today. Uh, and in the pass rush game, there's been... There hasn't been any one-on-one pass rushes. Um, there's been very little opportunity for full-speed pass rush as well. I've seen a couple of nice moves from each guy, um, but I have yet to be truly wowed by anybody on this list. Nick Benito has done well against second and third team guys, not so well when he goes against the first team guys. Baron Browning seems to be rounding himself into being coming comfortable as an outside guy. Malik Reed, I think we know pretty confidently what we have in him. Uh, the ceiling's not super high, but the consistency and the production is certainly there. And then Bradley Chubb looking for him to rebound after a zero-sack season last year. Uh, Again, I've seen him set the edge really well in the run game, but I've yet to see a wow move by him. And most of his uh, sacks in the past were really based off of power moves, and they haven't been practicing at that kind of tempo where a power move would be something you can legitimately go to. So, again, it's been very difficult to evaluate these guys in this structure of practices this now being the second full padded practice, I would expect there to be a turn up of tempo and a turn up, turn up of physicality uh, just to begin from a coaching perspective to evaluate these guys as well. Yeah, yeah. As much as we're harping on the, the, the unusual practice schedule because we haven't seen it before, Nathaniel Hackett's a smart football guy. He knows that that you got to get guys ready to play through some physical practices. I imagine today's going to be one. Uh, he said Saturday is also going to be full pads. So two out of the next three days are going to be fully padded practices. Next week the Cowboys come in and they're going to be on this field. And, um, you know, the extent to which they're able to cooperate, Hackett and McCarthy, and create the, the, the identical tempo, the only way to really do that is to just go full speed, right? Obviously you don't tackle to the ground, but, right. there's, but there's no way to say, hey, let's go 85% here. Because <laughs> your 85 might be different from mine. Right. The way we practice is unique to us as a team. So I think really the only the only answer for them is to actually cut it loose a little bit. And, um, you know, thud up, I guess, which the thud is just the, you know, you meet a running back in the hole as a linebacker, you thud him up. You form, you form him up, you grab him, and then you let him go. You don't take him to the ground. But we'll be interesting to see how they structure those practices because those practices are always contentious. Yep. There's always some fights. Yep. I've never been at a joint practice where there wasn't a couple scuffles. And I think that's totally normal. And uh, it shows that your team's got some fire. We pra- practiced against the Cowboys several times while I was here, and I don't think we ever had a practice without a fight. Yeah, uh, Coach uh, McCarthy and uh, Coach Hackett uh, are apparently very good friends. Coach Hackett spoke about that yesterday after practice. Said, uh, Coach McCarthy is not just a friend, but also a family friend. Knows Coach Hackett's dad as well. So I'd imagine those guys have had several conversations about what to expect and what to how to maximize next Thursday's practice. When they not come back, it will be our distraction segment. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.